0: I see it still as an extension of being more of a compassionate eater but now of course I understand the consequences when it comes to health and the environment which is one of the reasons a lot of more people are giving a try. I see a lot more people coming in and trying because of the environmental consequences so it doesn't matter. Pick one it's three different reasons you can have one two all three it doesn't matter the fact is a lot more people are embracing plant-based nutrition
1: welcome to how we change the world podcast i'm your host deborah rowan thank you so much for being here we're joined today by a distinguished guest dr Roseanne Oliveira. dr Oliveira is a renowned geneticist and the founding director of the first UC Davis Integrative Medicine program. She's also the visionary founder, president, and CEO of the Plant-Based Life Foundation. Dr. Oliveira combines her 25 years of experience in genetics with a passion for nutrition and lifestyle medicine, offering unique insights into how we can all live healthier, Longer and more fulfilled lives, while at the same time being kinder to the planet and more gentle to the animals. And in my book, that's definitely a win win win. So, whether you're a longtime advocate of plant based living or just curious about how your lifestyle choices can improve your own health and longevity, this conversation promises to be enlightening. Now, before we begin, a quick reminder. If you find value in our discussion, please like, comment, and share this episode with your own community. Now, let's embark in this engaging conversation with Dr. Roseanne Oliveira. Hello, Dr. Roseanne Oliveira. How are you? I'm doing great, Deborah.
0: I'm so glad to be here.
1: It is an absolute, absolute honor to have you. I have. This is uh, one of those situations where I feel like I know you so well because I've been following you for so many years and you've never mm-hmm. laid eyes on me. So we're at a uh, disadvantage, I guess, that way. But um, really, you have been a huge influence in my life and um, and in so many people's lives that I know that I've shared your work with. So that's why I feel so this is not your normal uh, setting. You know, this is a, a podcast about how we change the world, about people who are actually making a huge impact. That is exactly what you're doing on the lives and the health and the longevity of hundreds of thousands of people, really. So um, that must feel good. I haven't told people what you do yet, but still, that must <laughs> feel good to have such strong purpose in your life.
0: Yes, it is something that I'm very happy about. You know the old saying: if you do something that you love, you never have to work a day right. in your life. I've been very blessed. That's the way I felt my whole career, even before wow. this past decade, 10, 15 years, I I felt like, I know we're going to have an opportunity to discuss this in today's, yeah, go ahead. Um, in this, this conversation we're having today, but as part of my trajectory, my professional trajectory, I was never really focused on what I'm gonna do 30 years from now. I always knew that I'm gonna I know what I'm going to do for the next five years, for the next Mm, five, maybe ten years. But when I look back, I can see how (laughs) tortuous the road was. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. the route that gets me to where I am today. And I and that's it. But no matter where what I was doing, I always felt this sense of purpose. And to Mm -hmm. me, I always thought that that was the way everybody felt about what they did, but oh, really? it, it's, it's not true. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> so not in that true. sense, yeah, in that sense, I'm very grateful for the career I've had so far and mm. for the experience and for how my work evolved to get me to where I am today. And you have had a
1: long and interesting, sir, sort of circuitous route. It's just that you've had so much education and you've had so much experience in such a short life already. So it's it's. Uh, in fact, I just want to actually um jump in and start talking about some of your credentials and uh what you've been studying and what you've been researching and how you share that with the world which is which is in a lot of different ways and that's that's also what kind of makes you pretty unique but um so, and you're from Brazil which you you know yes. you can tell a little bit but um uh, as you've been here a long time so you know I think you have kind of got 20 a, years 20 years and
0: do you go back and forth uh, frequently? I, do. I do. Well, you know, everything changed after the pandemic. Yeah. Before the pandemic, I used to go three or four times a year. A lot, yes. Mm, that is I a would lot, go yeah. twice a year with my husband, and I would go once or twice by myself. But okay. since the pandemic, I've only been going maybe once a year, but then I, mm-hmm. I, I stayed there for a longer period of time, sometimes five weeks, sometimes two uh. months. So but your family is there. Yeah, my yeah. entire family is there.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's that's hard to be away. Um, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they're very proud of you. <laughs>
0: um, so you so you earned your
1: master's and doctorate in Brazil, where you're from, um, and then you went on to get your postdoc, your, your postdoctoral training um, in. I hope I can say this properly. Immunogenetics and functional. Genomics is that yes. correct, at the University yes. of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Yes. Um, maybe we don't wanna to go too far into it, but can you just explain what those words mean to the un- yes. uninformed among us?
0: <laughs> yes, well, well, when we talk about genetics, genetics is the study of single genes and how they are inherited or how they are transmitted or go from one generation to the other. The word mm-hmm. genomics is when you're talking about the collection of genes and how the genes interact, Mm. how they communicate, how gene expression occurs, what are the things that turn genes on and off. So this is genomics when we studied the collection of genes. And since we started having, well, it was in 2003 that we were supposed to have the big genome Unveiling of the human, the whole human genome. Human genome, right? Yeah. But since then, we have so many other animal genomes that have been Mm. sequenced. It's getting easier and easier for even now for people to have their whole genome sequenced. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to, we are going to get there to a point Uh where everybody will know their own genome, will have their own sequence because it's getting cheaper and cheaper. Just like with the, with the revolution it happened with computers, there it was very expensive to have a computer right. and computers were massive. They used to right. you know, take, rooms, a, yeah, take a room yeah. and now the power of your iPhone, you have more power in your, your computing power in your, in your iPhone mm-hmm. they had in the computer they took those amazing guys to the moon back in, in, <laughs> back in the, in the day. late 60s. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the same revolution is happening in genetics hmm. now that we're going to go there. So my the research I was hired to do was for us to understand how leukemia happens because many hmm. cancers have... It's not that all the cancers are linked to genetics, but some some cancers al- start through an infection disease so there's some sort of infection disease and the mm. the um, many times or almost always it's a viral infection and really? then pieces, pieces of the virus stay inside of us wow. and then they can be dormant or they can be reactivated and then once that happens then, then cancer starts, and I can give you an example. For example, Never HPV-, heard this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> HPV, the human papilloma virus. We know that like women who are infected, who have HPV, they have mm-hmm. higher risk of developing uh, cervix, cervical cancer.
1: I see. And
0: we know like HIV patients have more chances, higher risk of developing cancer in the liver. So those things, and they're specific. Uh, specific infection that happens in the blood and mm-hmm. it happens in both animals and humans that increase the risk of developing one specific type of leukemia. And that's what I was study- studying at first and how, and how the host genetics, how our own genes play a role it's not Mm -hmm. everybody that will develop or not every animal that has been infected that will develop the disease but some will so that's what i was understanding how this gene expression occurred but then here is the kicker that's Mm. how this new phase in my life started is when we started looking into a specific part of what we call functional genomics which called nutritional genomics how foods change gene expression i was part of a specific project at illinois where they were looking at cows (laughs) of Mm -hmm. all the animals they say what makes some cows develop metabolic disease and some cows don't develop metabolic disease and it was all related to the amount of fat in the diet and then we realized that it was like the animals or the cows that ate a high fat diet that have a specific gene that would develop metabolic diseases at a specific time in their life. So you needed both. You needed the gene component, but you I also ne- needed the diet component. And that's what we call diet-gene interplay or connection. And mm-hmm. And that's what got me inspired into changing what i was doing and start focusing on human nutrition and understand how food and more specifically a plant-based diet can change our gene expression
1: so this was back when you're working in your postdoc right Yes. and then you you, when you decided when you did is it because of information that you learned it sounds like it is in your research that said oh my goodness this is not just Research now. This is affecting all of us humans, including you as a, the researcher. And you, in that, had you that propelled you to start thinking about just not yes. eating as much fat, or how did it literally start, or well, just that you wanted to study more?
0: Yeah. Well, I was already vegetarian. I became vegetarian vegetarian at fifteen. So mm. this was maybe twenty years later. Okay. And you know how it is when you're ready. For the message, the message appears. That's what yes. I always tell people when people yes. have been doing, when they just started on a plant-based diet, they're so excited. They want everybody to change. And, yes. you know, you have to change <laughs> with me. You have to do this. Yeah, very Yeah, you need <laughs> to be ready for the message. I was yes. ready for the message. And what happened is that someone recommended a whole bunch of books on health, exercise and such. And then I came across a book that I say, I don't know if I'm going to read, but then I decided to read. And it's nice that we are having this conversation. I don't know when this particular episode is going to come out, but we are around Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Hmm. And it was around Thanksgiving that I picked up this book and I said, you know what? I'm going to read this book over Thanksgiving holiday. And it was the China study. Oh, yeah. I, I always wonder what would happen to my... Career or to my life, if I picked up a different book because that Whoa. was the book I needed to read because my career was very similar to Colin campbell's career you know he was trained as and to work with animals he worked his focus was on animal nutrition mm-hmm. and then he started he was you know invited to go to Asia to do some work on figuring out why kids were developing certain kinds of cancers and such. Uh-huh. And then the light bulb started to go in. And I was reading his book and understanding his path. First, I disliked the book a lot. Like I hate I hated the message, not the book. And I said, <laughs> I can't believe I'm already vegetarian. I don't need to be vegan, you know, and I absolutely adore, I love cheese, I love ice cream, and I could never think about a life without those two types of food. So I was reading, and the the reason I decided to read the book all the way to the end, and I said, you know what, I know he's a PhD, I know he knows about nutrition, but I also have a PhD, and I have a similar path. I'm going to read the whole book, because at the end of the book, I'm going to have enough scientific information to counter all the points that he's
2: making (laughs) oh that is
1: very funny you were just being contrary you're trying to arm yourself up to say why he was wrong you know before you keep going can you just explain for people because this audience will be completely uh unaware of of people like colin campbell i mean not everyone But yeah. just that, like, what was the message of the China study? I did read it, but I probably didn't read it with the same fortitude that you did because you're a scientist and, and okay. you as a scientist, like you needed sure. the facts, right? Yeah. So, just
0: so quick- the China study is a study that he was involved with. It was a study between, with, done between Cornell and Oxford University in the UK, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were looking at the diet in China. And looking at, it was a relationship, it was like a correlation type of study, right. which people don't like because you cannot prove causation. You cannot say people are eating animal foods and they are developing mm-hmm. cancer. Right. But, but it's still, they wanted to see what is the diet in different mm-hmm. parts of China and what is the incidence and the prevalence or how many people have cancer and how many new cases of cancer happen or in different types of cancer, what is going on. And they could see a relationship between animal food consumption and cancer. And And then he went back to the literature and he started looking at other groups in the world that maybe have seen such a correlation. And that's when he found a group in India that had done a study where, and it's, mouse study so when we talk about yeah. being being plant-based for ethical reasons or you are compassionate either right. people, eater, people don't like it so yeah. if that's your i'm i'm, I'm sorry i'm just going to describe what it was but then yeah. this was a mouse study and what they were looking at is the amount of casein which is the protein in the milk
2: mm-hmm, and casein. whether
0: or not Yeah, the animal would develop cancer depending on the percentage of casein in the diet. And if it was below 5%, the animals wouldn't develop cancer. If it was above Mm -hmm. 20%, they would develop cancer. So Colin Campbell, I don't remember if the original study did it precisely like that, but I know Mm -hmm. that Colin Campbell tried to redo it, and that's the way he did it five, twenty 20%. And he said it was like a knob. If it was below five percent, the animals wouldn't develop cancer. If it was above twenty percent, they would. And And he talks about all of that in the book. There's a chapter on how, what are the molecular mechanisms that can lead to cancer and Mm -hmm. such. So it was there was a lot of science in it. Some people feel that the the China study is a little dry, but to me, it was the perfect message to me. And that was it. And then when I finished the book. I said, What am I going to do with the information? Am I, and yeah. I'm going to ignore it because I didn't have any health complaints or anything. And if you are right. healthy, it's very hard for you to say, Why should I change? Right. And why not wait till
1: I'm 70 to change or something? You know, why don't I enjoy everything <laughs> I want? And then when it gets closer to where I might get sick, then stop. So yeah. I've heard that that too. But, but this was, So your field and so you really couldn't deny and this was what year did that book come out? I know I read it
2: years ago. The book
0: was way before. I I read the book in two thousand and eight. And it had come out in the nineties or something, maybe? I think so, yeah. 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 It was it was It's not new, yeah. It's not new. It's It's not new. He had, he has written so many other books after probably so many other books after that, but it was the right message at the right time. I was I was seeing the power of food in my own research, and as I was reading the book. And the third effect that made me want to change right then and there is that my mother-in-law at the time was being treated for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So here, here it is, is someone I love who's being treated for cancer and nobody's telling her the importance of nutrition. Mm-hmm. In my own research, I know, at least I already knew that how much fat we had in the diet, how you could, lead to metabolic dysfunction and metabolic Mm -hmm. disease and then here comes this book and i say you know what it's kind of obvious obvious everything is connected and then i wanted to learn more so i could help her and at the time Uh. i said you know it goes back to who I am as well. I'm not the kind of person that can tell someone to do something that I wouldn't be able to do myself. And I say, no refreshing. What? <laughs> yeah. So if I tell her, I wanted to tell her and you say, you know what? I don't think you should be eating dairy because in the book, uh, the China study, even though they say animal foods should be avoided and such and such, the emphasis was on dairy. And, right. and that's the thing. And, and he focus on dairy and my work was on dairy cows as well so it was all related to dairy 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 and I say how can I ask her to stop eating cheese and yogurt and yeah. ice cream when I am yeah. not gonna do it myself so right. my plan at the time as I said I'm gonna I'm gonna do it for six months I'm gonna have her go through this with me, then I'll go back to eating. And she'll never know. (laughs) And then by the time it takes, (laughs) yeah. And I say I'm going to do it because, you know, I know I can do it for six months. Right. And I was absolutely sure I would go back. And I never did.
1: That's amazing. This this story is amazing. Um, And I think that breast cancer was one of the ones that he spoke about because aren't there certain types of cancer and um, and of course, we'll talk about other illnesses that are related to diet as well. But yeah. for this specific um, topic, uh, there's there's breast cancer, but aren't, which is actually one of the stronger one, uh, correlations, isn't it? Or am I just yeah,
0: yes, they, anecdotally uh, breast,
1: saying that? Breast, prostate, and colon cancer uh, are all pretty yeah. affected by, and you're talking about casein and, and the you know, oh, yeah, dairy ca- products?
0: Yeah. Dairy and But animal foods but animal in general, but, okay. but also very specific when it comes to dairy. For different reasons, they do believe that the relationship between dairy and prostate cancer may not be casein, the protein. It may Might be something be else, mm-hmm. but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. All, all those three, the evidence is very strong, the relationship between animal foods and cancer
1: so at that point, did you decide to go become, you know, plant-based now we used to only say vegan and now, and vegan has its own more of an animal, um, concern, you know, for animal welfare, just for people who don't really know the difference maybe between vegan and plant-based it's, it's it's more the motivation, right? Why, why you would stop eating, but typically anyone who is, uh, does eat just plant-based or only not just, um, restricts their diet to plant-based. They, they know that it has an effect on animals, of course, the yeah. lives of animals and on their own health as well as on the environment. So there's many reasons why people choose to go plant-based. But your initial decision was um, health, like the human health, that was your, my that
0: original. original No, my original decision was when I was 15, I did it for the animals. I became vegetarian, became vegetarian. Because,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because of the animals. But here, here's an interesting thing. At the time I thought, That's all I could do to save animals' lives. You know, there's Mm -hmm. this illusion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not an illusion. It's just that we don't have the facts. We don't understand. It's like, as long as I'm working on dairy cows and I'm drinking milk, I'm not killing animals because, you know, I'm just squeezing (laughs) and getting the
1: milk. And it's been going on for thousands of years and it's always been uh, fine. And nobody's
0: being killed. It's just the thing that we don't know is that Cows and mammals just like we are. When is Mm -hmm. it that a woman produces milk? When she's pregnant (laughs) and when she gives birth. So for a cow to continuously be producing milk, she needs Mm -hmm. to give birth every year, constantly. And guess what? We cannot guarantee that all of the births are going to be females.
2: Mm.
0: There will be males as well. And what happens to the males, mm-hmm. they become the veal, is that the name they say, on your plate. Yeah. And so, so many other things that we don't, so if, and if we're doing for the animals, then being vegetarian is not enough. Right. And I, I didn't have the information. And yeah. mind you, I went to vet school and I saw what was happening, but I still was so enam- enamored, so to speak, with the idea of eating dairy and and making sure that dairy cows are healthy and they were producing milk and such. I, I spent a lot of time doing that without really- Making that connection. Making the connection. Yeah. But then once I read the China study and I say, no, you know what, this is better. And I did it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I didn't wanna do any, it was not specific for my own health. So I, I, I see it still as an extension of Being more of a compassionate eater. But now, of course, I understand the consequences when it comes to health and the environment, which is one of the reasons a lot of more people are giving a try. I see a lot more people coming in and trying because of the environmental consequences. So it doesn't matter. People come from a different... It's three different reasons. You can have right. one, two, all three. It doesn't matter. The fact is a lot more people are embracing plant-based nutrition. One thing else I want to say, you said, the difference between using the word vegan and plant-based. Right. Mm-hmm. When I started, I used to call myself vegan and it was mm-hmm. actually Colin Campbell who to told me not to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I really? To, yeah. I came to talk to him and I say, Oh my gosh, your book was so, it was so Are nice you... to read your book. It was how it started. It was. I, and I told shoot his face. I say, I hated you. And I hated your <laughs> book at first, but with time, and that's the reason why I became vegan. And he looked at me and he, and he said, Roseanne, We don't use the word vegan because it has like a bad, (laughs) bad rap, and we've been saying plenty radical,
1: radical people that are crazy and whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been
0: called all kinds of names in my own family. Oh yeah. But but he said that, (laughs) and he said we say whole food plant-based and i say okay and then that's when mm-hmm. i start changing to say mm-hmm. whole food plant-based and and i like i like the change because it's I a little too. softer and it, it helps more people be willing to give it a try instead right. of getting a pushback more people are willing to give it a try so anything that helps more people try plant-based i'm for it
1: well obviously because you have this challenge which i'm currently you know kind of redoing although i'm already uh I still, I still say vegan, even though I like plant-based, but, um, uh, so let's, but we'll, we'll move into that a little bit because what, then what you did in your, in your career is you went to UC Davis, University of California, Davis, which is where you, you currently are. And you do a number of different things there, but, and I, which I want you to talk about, but one of them in particular is that, um, and I don't know if you're still doing this, but I think you are working on the curriculum for medical doctors for bringing nutrition into their, uh, Training, which has, I, I'm still surprised that that is a novel or a unique um, situation, but it's they're still mostly not receiving nutritional guidance, correct? Yeah. I mean, training, training, so training. that they can guide their patients with nutrition. Yes. So is yours one of the first curriculums in the country? And is it just for UC Davis? yeah that, that, no,
0: that, that, we are we are not one of the first, which is wonderful news. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so let me just back up. So yeah, at the time please. when I was transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet, mm-hmm. meeting Colin Kimber and such, at the same time, my husband and I were being recruited to come to UC Davis. and then they wanted to so what is it that you actually want to do and develop if you come to UC Davis? And I had an opportunity to, dis- to discuss a few ideas and I said, you know mm-hmm. what? Can't we bring plant-based nutrition into the discussion? Can we do something? Can we start a program where plant-based nutrition is one of the pillars of health? And they were very open to it. I'm very grateful that they said, yes, let's do it. And that's how we started. So I was the founding member of the first integrative medicine program at UC Davis. And I did that for 10 years. And then for ten years, even though we were doing a lot for patients, starting helping the physicians, they're working, their students change their diet, transition uh-huh. to a more plant-based diet. It was very hard to do anything related to the curriculum. Then uh-huh. you, then you. Fa- so I was the director or the founding director between two thousand eleven and two thousand twenty-one. And then as I was leaving UC Davis as my oh. paid job to start our. New foundation, because that, that's mm-hmm. what my time now I spend is on the okay. Plan-Based Life Foundation. As I was getting ready to transition to this new role and new function, then I got a call and I said, you know what? We, we want to start incorporating preventive and lifestyle medicine topics into the four-year curriculum. So every discipline, we want to have at least one class where we cover preventive medicine and of course diet is part of preventive and lifestyle medicine. And I say, count me in. So interesting enough, I'm not being paid to do that. I just do it because I love and I say, okay, you're ready. So am I, <laughs> count me in. So I'm I'm still part of that, hmm. that effort because the first two years we were focusing on what we call pre-clerkship which is the first two years in medical school, and now okay. you're transitioning to start working with clerkship, which is years three hmm. and four. How I can we that bring term. that those topics into the curriculum? But it's it's amazing, and I'm very happy and they're very open. And the students love it. They I love they, do. To, they love to of learn course. about nutrition. They yeah. uh, the ones that we had an opportunity to discuss, they all appreciate the knowledge and the information. So what's such a mystery
1: to me is why is this even an issue? Why would it not always from time immemorial? I mean, we've, there has, there's ancient wisdom. It's not a mystery that apples are better for you than a candy bar or something like that. And they're going to have different impacts on your health. So why has there never been nutrition included? It seems like such a slam dunk, if you will, like why it's, it's, the most normal thing to do. And yet there's a resistance that has been going on for decades about it.
0: Yeah, I think it's human nature. I think the more conventional medicine evolved, the more drugs came out. They always thought that it doesn't matter. We can fix it. You know how it is? So why prevent something when Uh. I can fix it? I think it's 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 how it came to be. Mm-hmm. And then conventional medicine became more specialized and there's nothing right. we can do sort of thing. And, yeah. and and now with the more molecular tools that we have, we can really understand what's happening inside of yeah. us. And then we, we know, because before we, we know, yes, we know that broccoli is better for us than French fries, but Why? humans will mm. always try to get away with, anything. i say, can I still eat my French fries Yeah, and be healthy if I take a pill? A lot of people will prefer that. So then I think it's for a long time, it went that way. But it it got to a point that now people are seeing that this is not sustainable, right? 70 or 90%, 75 to 90% of healthcare expenditure in this country is on chronic diseases that shouldn't exist or could Mm -hmm. be prevented. Mm -hmm. And I see that it's it's something that is happening across the world, but here in the U.S., a lot, a lot of medical schools are starting to focus more on what can be done. And I think that's why they started the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. All of these are new developments, mm-hmm. but it's yes. going to continue to grow. And Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about it.
1: Yes, it could be complete. It could completely change the trajectory of the of our health in this country. But but it is a you know, you see more burger joints going up than you see uh, vegan restaurants or or plant based. You know, still every time I see one open up another one, like how many do we need? So we're, we're far from from there, but um, at least uh, it does seem to be an acceptance and it's been a slow, slow up and down thing, but it does feel like there's, and and you're right at the beginning of the, of the shift, making it happen. You know, I heard you speak on a um, podcast, I think it was, or or you're giving a talk maybe about uh, your sister. Do you mind talking about your twin sister and your health? Because I think that's so instructive for people who want to maybe write it off as, Yeah, not being effective
0: yeah what happens is that a lot of people believe that your weight and your health even your personality everything is dictated by your genes Mm -hmm. and you cannot change anything and you know it's fixed and deal with that because you hear a lot you know type 2 diabetes runs in my family everybody in my family is overweight and mm-hmm. so on and so forth and people don't and we realize it we were taught that, that
1: right we, yes. we were taught to think that oh if if you have if your father had cancer then you should always have this test so we
0: yeah we are taught that yeah and and the other thing is that most people don't realize is that what we also get from a family is their habits <laughs> we tend right. to like the foods our parents eat we tend mm-hmm. to do what our parents do if your parents like sports if they are very you know outdoorsy most likely you're going to be a little more outdoorsy if you Mm -hmm. if your parents are couch potatoes Mm -hmm. so it's all of this brings you know I said why did I become a vegetarian at age 15 my mother my mother said, you know what I don't think we should be eating animals and my sister and I Uh, said okay we did it Hmm. Sometimes it works the other way because then right. <laughs> 20 years later, then I went back and my mom and my sister became 100% whole food plant-based because of me. But that's how how it starts. Right. And then with my sister and I, what happened was that when we were about 22, 23, it was the first time I had an um, an opportunity to go outside of Brazil to work. And I spent, uh, I went to Germany to spend a semester, spent a few months there, didn't quite make a semester. But when I came back, that's when I noticed that my sister had put on some weight. And I saw that. And I saw that happen. And it happens to a lot of people. It's a little bit, it's five pounds a year. Then you lose three. Then you gain those three and another three. Yeah. Yeah. And then you lose five, then you gain the five and you put another three. And then over 20 years, it may be when you look, it's like 30, 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then I, I always looked at it and I said, okay, maybe this is happening because of food choices. But, you know, I'm a geneticist and I'm never really making the connection. How can I, can I, how can I bring her in and explain? It's not genetics because if it was genetics... I would have I would have the same weight as you're identical does.
1: twins, right?
0: Identical twins. <laughs> yeah. 100 yeah. percent of genes, so it could not be genetics. Right. So then that's when I look back and I say, well, okay, let's look at our blood biomarkers, let's see how we're doing in terms of cholesterol and mm-hmm. insulin and such. And this is something that a lot of people don't don't know. (laughs) People believe that you gain weight, and then once you gain weight, you become sick. Then that's when you start seeing all your numbers start shifting and such. But the reverse is what is true. First, we start having metabolic dysfunction, and then
2: becoming Mm -hmm.
0: overweight and obese is one of the consequences of this metabolic dysfunction. And the interesting thing with that is that once you start shifting your diet, this metabolic dysfunction, it resolves it so quickly. But what a lot of people don't know is that many times, even when they're still 30 pounds overweight, they are already metabolic healthy. But because they are not seeing the scale go down as fast as they want, many times they give up. And it was one of the things that I did with my sister over the years, we were just seeing and I say, as soon as she started eating whole food plant-based, she started losing weight. And then her metabolic profile became identical to mine within three months. She still had... Three months? Three months. And, and, how, and was she like 30,
1: 20 pounds more than you at that point oh, or yes. something or she more? Was, she
0: still had another 25 or 30 pounds to lose. But metabolically uh, speaking, she was as healthy as I was. That's
1: fascinating.
0: That and then, really is. And I wish people knew that, and I wish yeah. they would focus on metabolic health first, mm. because weight loss is going to happen. The thing is, like, it took her 10, 20 years to get to their weight. And yeah. it happens to a lot of people, but most people want to lose weight in three Best. months. Well, that's also what you we've didn't... been taught
1: and encouraged <laughs> to do through ads and to marketing. And,
0: yes, well, you know? it, there are other diets. When I said, my sister tried all kinds of diets, which yeah. is something that happens to many people as well. Mm-hmm. And many diets work a lot faster than mm-hmm. whole food plant-based. And this mm-hmm. is one thing that we see. We see sometimes our scientific article just published and it makes the news. Low fat, it's a yeah. low, low carb, it's a lot better than low fat. Do this to lose weight. And in the short term, you lose weight faster if you, low, if you go low carb first. No sure. Doubt. Sure and, but, but th- that's not what you want. You want sustainable mm-hmm. weight loss and you want the weight loss that is going to continue to happen over the years. And you want a way to maintain the weight loss. And low-carb is the worst possible way for that to
1: happen. And, and we're, you know, you're talking about weight, but I think it's such an important point they mentioned is that the, your metabolic health yes. has, that's just like one of the factors, you know, your, your longevity, your, the way that you feel, your energy, your brain. I don't yes. know, you said, does it affect your personality as well, what we eat? Is that one uh, of our... I, well,
0: I just wonder. It can yeah. it can affect, the foods we eat can make us more anxious, can make us hmm. depressed, or can make us feel happier. So Because, you know, a lot of the precursors to neurotransmitters in our brain that mm-hmm. can affect our mood are produced in our gut. And it's a gut microbiota that is response like 70% of immune response comes from what happens in our gut. And there's this interplay between um, the metabolites that our gut microbiota produce from the food we feed them (laughs) that has consequences in our whole body and that includes our brain as well so everything is connected and the more we understand how our microbiome works the more insights we get into health mental health and where you said vitality and longevity Mm -hmm. as well yeah, I mean, because dementia has been
1: very closely uh, connected. It seems like in the last five to ten years, I've heard more and more studies where the chances of dementia, Alzheimer's, are are caused by you know certain diets or or can be avoided possibly. Not, I don't think reversed, but at least avoided by eating certain diets.
0: Yeah. Um, so what I was gonna say is the brain is the only organ up until now that we don't know how to reverse. We don't know mm. how to start producing new brain cells. No. inside. so the liver will uh, damage liver can recover. We have new cells that are going to be produced. We're always producing Hmm. new cells in the skin. We get new cells produced in our muscles. We get new fat cells produced, which nobody wants, but we do. It's very easy to produce new fat cells, just put on some weight. (laughs) But brains, we cannot. So that's the importance of prevention when it Mm -hmm. comes to protecting the brain. And that's why Mm -hmm. one of the things we teach is eating four foods every single day. Because those four foods are the ones that have been shown to protect the brain the most. What happens with the brain as we age? We start accumulating things that we don't want and brain starts losing volume, Mm -hmm. starts shrinking. And those those things we don't want. Of course, exercise is excellent to combat this shrinkage that may happen with age. But Mm -hmm. food is very important. What are the four foods? Beans, greens leafy green vegetables the dark leafy green vegetables your
1: kale berries, spinach
0: yes <laughs> yeah. berries and seeds but more more specifically flax seeds and chia seeds for their omega 3 content and also most people can benefit from b12 supplementation whether you are, if you are 100% whole food plant-based, you must take a B12 supplement. Mm-hmm. Or anybody over the age of 50, the recommendation is that they also take a B12 supplement, even if they are not 100% plant-based. Mm-hmm. And a DHA supplement is also very important because DHA is the one of the long chain omega-3 fatty acids. And most people have what we call at least a relative deficiency. They have a lot more omega-6 than omega-3 in the body. So mm-hmm. you always want to up the intake of omega-3. But DHA is important to preserve brain volume. And okay. I know that a lot of people think about, oh, I'm going to take a fish supplement. Don't do it. You don't have to look for an algae-based DHA supplement, it's clean, and it's how the fish get their DHA. They start with mm-hmm. the algae, just get is it. as a plant-based source, and you get the DHA. So those things are important. Eating the four foods, taking a DHA supplement, and a B12 supplement, because those are important. Well,
1: yeah. In fact, I'll put a link to uh, my friend Matt Tallman, who started uh, as one of the founders of Complement. Uh, yes, love, love I think is the website, but I'll put a link on there because it is a uh, specifically, it's an excellent company and their products are exactly formulated for what people who live on a plant-based um, yes. only diet need. And so you don't, it's a kind of a no brainer. I, I take them been taking them for years. Um, so, but, um, I'm going to just ask you to back up a little bit and expand a little bit more. Cause you know, um, well first of all I, did, I wasn't aware that you had sort of switched to your your organization that's your main that's your full time um, organization so plant based life right is the name oh, of it so but yes. let's i, I want to make sure that we we leave enough time to talk a little bit more about what we even mean by plant based because you know people some people have no idea even what what that term is and we're kind of we've been using it the whole time so we didn't yes. want to, we didn't define it but um, since you since maybe you can do a little bit of a talk about um, your organization and what you're promoting and and how, and then, and then maybe exactly what, how that interrelates with plant-based eating.
0: Okay. So the name of the foundation of our nonprofit organization is plan. It's plan based life foundation. And, and what our mission is so that we can educate people to, transition to a healthier way of living because plant-based is not a diet it's a lifestyle ah, right. and it affects different eras of our lives we like to focus on the six pillars of lifestyle medicine which is what i teach in my classes for the mm-hmm. medical students at uc davis or the school of medicine what are the six pillars healthy diet which mm-hmm. is what we call a plant-centered diet because it's very hard for people to go from eating animal foods all the way 100%. So we help folks do that gradually Mm -hmm. and on their own pace, on their own terms, that's what we want to do. We educate them, they can start adopting new positive health promoting habits in one of the six areas. So one is healthy eating, so it's a lot of focus on healthy eating. Then there's physical activity, There's stress management, there's avoiding substance, tobacco, alcohol, quality sleep, and healthy relationships. So these are Mm. the six pillars of lifestyle medicine. Mm -hmm. But all of them, anything that we want to change in our lives depending on us being able to either replace a bad habit or start a new habit. And this is where a lot of people encounter difficulties because they don't they think that starting a new developing or creating a new habit is easy like that. And if it was, anybody who has New Year's resolution <laughs> would have lost twenty pounds. We have been mm-hmm. just eating clean foods or plant based and such. And and habit change is something that is not easy. You have to understand what are the requirements and it has a lot to do with mindset what's happening between the two years as we say Mm -hmm. and a lot is related to managing emotions because our emotions drive our behaviors we like to think that we are rational beings that anything that we tell our rational brain we are going to do but we are emotional beings we respond to emotions Mm -hmm. and we make decisions based on emotions every single human being does it like that? So the, yeah. the main focus of our, the Plant-Based Life Foundation is to teach people the tools to be able to develop this new health-promoting habits. And then we have, we started three years ago, we have a main program, it's called Life Lab 360. That's where we teach people how to change habits first mindset managing emotions and then we teach them what are the key habits that can help you lead a happier healthier longer life
1: I have to say when I I took your course that was it used to be called bite sized I think yes and um so I and I was exposed to some of those teachings and I find that I found I don't find any longer but uh, you know, you're learning a lot. You're learning about food and, chemi- and the chemistry of it. And, and there's a lot to learn um, to, to, to make these transitions. And I think what I I made a mistake that maybe a lot of people make, um, and that is to think that I can willpower my way through things, um, you know, and, and I didn't like I think, well, I can't learn everything. So I'm just going to learn about what foods to eat because I was already not eating um I was already plant based or vegan, and then, but you I wanted to take your course because of the health aspects. Because I, you don't really know, and there's so much to learn. And yes. it is a it is a re education of how we've lived our lives. It's a lifestyle. It's not something you jump into quickly, and you and you do stress a lot about just like take one new habit, even a year or a month or whatever. Just like, yes. and and I never want. I don't think that way. I want to jump in. I want to do it a hundred percent. And then I'll fail, you know, because you nobody's and your explanation, which I I'm sure, I don't know um, if it's OK to, to mention that you have a website, you have a there's a video, I guess, on um, YouTube, which talks about how the mind works and how the emotion and the decision making are right in the same area and memories and all these yes. things and those are my things you know like something reminds me of my mom's apple crisp or my mom's comfort or my mm-hmm. you or know, my childhood or something yeah. nice like i have no control like
2: yeah
1: it, it there's no stopping it so i now all these years later i'm looking at it going oh my gosh that makes so much sense yeah and there is a video on there, but it's also in your class. And it, it, I just yeah. would encourage people not to just think January first. I'm just I, this time I'm doing it. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to do the. It's you were doomed unless we fully understand how to change a habit and yeah. uh, and our emotional response to whatever the trigger is.
0: <laughs> yeah. The other thing I want to mention is like we tend to think that there's this misconception that a new habit you can create in 21 days. Actually, what science shows is the sweet spot is 66 days. Some (laughs) may take take less, others may take longer. So if you use the 66 days as a framework, Mm -hmm. then, and if you want to focus on one habit at a time, if you don't want to even overlap them, so the best that you can do is six new habits in a year. But if you want to start one every month and then overlap a few of them, it would be between six and 12. Yeah. So you think it's a lot, but it's not a lot. And the other thing when it comes to eating, what people believe is one habit is more than one habit. When people Hmm. tell me, I want to avoid sugar altogether, this is not one habit. This is many different habits. Hmm. Because it's not just you. when is it that you eat sugar? I add sugar to my coffee. There's or specific set, oh. there's specific conditions that bring you, you to have sugar in your coffee. It's a time of the day. There's some mm-hmm. sort of
1: Trigger. reward
0: that you feel there. Oh. You have different things that come in, in that experience. There's a dessert that you eat when you go to a restaurant. There's the food, there's the craving that many people have around 8 or 9 p.m. There's a physiological reason for that. That's why a lot of people at 8 or 9 said, mm, I could eat something. And some people do eat and some people don't eat. Mm-hmm. So Those are all of different things. There are things that you have in your house. If you have sweets in your house, would you eat there? There's the craving that I'm going to drive and I'm going to buy this food. There's your favorite food that you can never resist. There's so many different things, and we always think that is one. That's so it's interesting. One, one. Yeah. One no thing—it's so hard
1: to change. Yeah,
0: it is. It is. So you have to start, mm. and that's those are the things that we teach in our classes. Mm-hmm. When you join, it used to be bite-sized. We used to offer through UC Davis. We mm-hmm. completely changed the program. Now it's called Life Lab 360. And, and what we do is, like we said, we every every month I come in, I teach a class. We just spend the whole year. This past year, talking about metabolic every month we focus on a different blood biomarker and we Mm -hmm. say, this is what it means. And this is the relationship with food or other habits. And at the end we had a challenge to say, let's do this. And many, many months we say, the challenge doesn't change much. The habit is the same. We're always working sometimes Hmm. on a specific habit for three months, but every month there's more evidence brings more clarity in people and now i understand why this is so important to Uh me and things like that small uh, Uh distinctions for example a lot of people link salt consumption to high blood pressure Mm -hmm. almost nobody links sugar added sugar consumption to high blood pressure this was a big aha moment to many of our members because they Mm -hmm. said oh my gosh sugar? Yes. And what is the best way for you to see your, to check whether or not you're having too much sugar? It's uric acid. You have to be checking for uric acid or your triglycerides. It's, it's a lot more important than glucose level.
1: Hmm. Interesting. And
0: then, so all of these things are important. So sometimes is like you start on a path, you want to try a specific habit, but many times what I like to teach is that There's a difference between what um, what's his name? Uh, He wrote a fabulous book. I I know his last name. Desi. Uh, It's failing me. The book's called I think what we do, why we do what we do. Something I can share it if you if you want to share the link. I will. But he says there's there's a difference between something that we have inside of us that it has been part, it has become who we are and something Uh. that someone is telling us to do. And this is the biggest thing for us to start changing. Are we doing this because it's our choice? Because for us to be able to maintain intrinsic motivation, Mm -hmm. we need three things. First, we need to believe that it's our choice. We're not doing something because we should. We're doing something because we want to.
1: Big difference.
0: Yes. The second part of intrinsic motivation, we need to believe that if we keep at it, we're going to get better.
1: Yeah, that's huge. We need
0: to at least have this hope to attain mastery.
1: Can you okay. imagine
0: if a child was learning to walk and I say, no matter <laughs> how long you try or how much effort you put it, you will never be able to learn. No, the, it, the child keeps going because it believes it's going to right. do like their parents the, or their older brothers yeah. do. Yeah. And the third one that he, that he says is that it's, it's related to relatedness. And is anything that we can do that brings us in in relation to others. And that's why like moving into a plant based diet is something that it's Mm -hmm. part of the inner motivation to a lot of us because it affects more than just our lives. It affects so much more. So this part is something that we have covered. But the most important thing is you need to want to do. And sometimes for you to want to do, you need more information. Why do Mm -hmm. I want... A lot of people think that added the problem with added sugar in the diet is just the calories that are coming from the sugar Mm-hmm. and how those calories are affecting their weight. But added sugar has so many metabolic effects that most really? people have no idea, including
2: uh-uh.
0: risk, higher risk of blood pressure. It's not mm-hmm. just about weight gain. It's everything else that can happen from that decision of eating added sugar. The same with added oil and added salt, but they have different consequences for yeah. all three. Of metabolic consequences. I wish we had time
1: to talk about salt because I have a whole big thing about that. But yeah. <laughs> um, do you think salt is ever okay for people? Because yes, it is. I actually get when I went off, so I'll just say when I stopped salt altogether, I couldn't get up. Like yeah. I couldn't, something happened to me. So I had to you Know well, there's some. a ceiling, and I have low blood pressure, but yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there's a ceiling ideally. You sh- we consume less than 1500 milligrams of sodium every day, and and that's enough for most of us. It's a lot well, of it's things just like that what we a half eat. a
1: teaspoon, three quarters of a teaspoon, a three somewhere in there. Of a teaspoon. Okay,
0: it's not a okay. lot, but it's enough for mm-hmm. our needs. We actually need sodium, you know, but mm-hmm. we get about 500 milligrams. From fruits and vegetables, all right? Mm -hmm. Eating whole plant foods, we get enough. So we don't need to add, but if we want to add 1500 milligrams with the ceiling, but we have absolutely no requirements for added sugar (laughs) or added fat
2: or Or salt.
0: Yeah, we don't need to add. We don't need to yeah. add anything, but if hmm. you want to add, the limit is 1,500 I see. milligrams. Okay. And the same, there's there's a ceiling for sugar as well. The ceiling is mm-hmm. two tablespoons or 5% of your calories. That's quite a bit. bit. Two tablespoons for women, three tablespoons yeah, for men. It's a lot. That seems like a lot. Yeah. yeah. And it will have consequences, but it is. But think about it. Uh. It's two tablespoons, but... The average American is eating between three and a half and six tablespoons a day. So it's a lot oh. more than the two tablespoons. Interesting. And the same with, with sodium. So sodium is 1,500 milligrams, but the average American consumes 3,400 milligrams. Oh. So about two grams more. Okay. So who would you,
1: um, we don't have a lot of time left, and I really would like to um, focus on just what the benefits are for people who just don't think this sounds like something like it sounds too extreme, and we didn't really talk about it all, but um you know what what all it entails, but basically no animal products i mean and then and whole foods I mean that's the the basis of it, right not no not processed foods, not crackers and cookies and stuff, but it's whole food yeah.
0: that's very so, important, so when yeah. people want to start, I say, yes, we say the. The less animal foods you eat, the better, even if you cannot go a hundred percent and the more whole plant foods you can eat, the better because we don't want we don't want people to say i'm going to be one hundred percent vegan I'm not going to eat any animal foods, but I'm going to be eating what we call right. yeah. highly processed foods because of food will have a very big effect on metabolic health, so we don't want to change one problem for the other. It doesn't help to stop eating animal foods and only, you know, drink the sodas, eat the French fries, right. eat the cookies, right. the vegan cookies, right. vegan cake, and... Vegan ice cream. There's vegan everything. Yes, there's
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so
0: vegan everything. Yeah. Which I vegan like. Cheese. You're never going to tell see me boo-hoo those foods, because I think this revolution you see in the food industry, I think is, I see is very it's positive. Racing. Because... Mm-hmm it shows people that it's possible for them to eat things they like without harming animals and many times without harming as much the environment. So I see this very positively. Mm -hmm. And even though it's not something that I consume myself, but Mm -hmm. if I have guests, I don't mind Mm -hmm. having some of those foods so my Mm -hmm. guests can come to my house. I know they have a great time and I'm going to have a great time. But what we see is like I mentioned with my sisters, like within three months, it's like completely change in your metabolic health, all your metabolic markers, but it doesn't need to be three months. You start uh, feeling and seeing, seeing a lot changes. of changes. Very quickly, within the first week, two, three weeks, you already start less less pain in joints, less inflammation. You feel more energy. If you go 100%, again, okay, it's just like how... More more. how much you're willing to give it a try it's right. like anything in life if you do a little bit you see a little bit of improvement if you see a little bit more you see more improvement right so then right. it's a range you don't have to go 100 percent. but the yeah. more you do the more benefits yeah. you're going to get
1: and the less likely you are to get Cardiovascular oh, yes. problems, cancer. I mean, we actually didn't even talk about what all the benefits are to not eating animal products and to eating whole foods. I mean, there's there's books on that, there's movies on that, there's a lot of information on that. Yes. But, you know, it's too much to cover, but um, it's definitely worth investigating. I know that people don't always want to hear that, just yeah. like you didn't want to hear from. the china study you didn't want that to be the truth yeah i didn't want it to be the truth either my daughter was vegetarian for 10 years until we finally like okay and then we all went vegan so um you know it takes a while to get it through your head but once you do it's just like when you start seeing other people around you suffering from all these things and you're not suffering from them because you know it's like you with your sister it's like it's it it becomes pretty obvious the reasons why yeah one of um, the
0: best books for the science Mm -hmm. Is Michael Greger's first book, actually, first book in this last trilogy, because he had published other books before, How Not to Die. I love his book. It's very science-heavy, but the chapters are short, and it covers the 15 reasons, the 15 top reasons people die. I know we're all going to die, and some people say, I'm going to die. What if I'm vegan and I go outside in a... And a bus hit me. And then he, at the end of his lectures, he likes to bring the, the quote by, what's his name? Um, the physician who used to be the chair of the American S. College of Dr. Cardiology. S. 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 No. Oh, Furman, or I don't no, know. Names. No. Yeah. I, forgot, I forgot his name. He said, yeah, I know we're all going to die. I just don't want it to be my fault. <laughs> and it's cute. <laughs> That's it interesting. Has a, it has yeah. a degree of, it has of, a message. of truth. Yeah. But the thing is, so uh, Michael Greger covers <laughs> in his book, How Not to Die, the science related or the relationship or association between consuming animal, sometimes processed food, with those mm-hmm. 15 top killers in the u.s so it's a very interesting book it's very big i tend to listen to my books more than read and i think that one i think it's about 24 hours 18 hours 18 hours
1: does he read it i haven't heard the audio because he's very entertaining yeah you know just as a human being so i'm sure listening to it would be really enjoyable he's he's funny and he makes it really palatable in more ways than one um well, I'd love to send people to your website and uh let them know more about your foundation, which I'll put the links on there. Um I do wanna just say though, that you give out a lot of information without any expense. I mean a lot. Like yes. the recipes I, and I would encourage people to go um go try the recipes because they're free. It's like it's PB and I'll put that PB on. Life, it yeah. PB life.org. Plan Life,
0: life. And PB just,
1: life.org. There's incredible recipes. I mean just you know, whether it's uh, eggs be- or tofu Benedict or uh, black bean brownies, I made some more. And my favorite on there is a sweet potato lentil soup. Oh, I mean, yeah. these are delicious foods. And I think when people think that they're going to suffer, they go and just try a few. They will understand uh, that it really can be delicious and, and is delicious and fun and all those other things. But yeah, something
0: so, Can I say something? Yeah. When you oh, go yeah. to the website, pblife.org, there's a button that says join the movement. When you click mm-hmm. there, you're going to be invited to create an account to join okay. the network. It's 100% free. And it's wonderful conversation that we have. It's yeah. it's our home outside of Facebook. We used to have Facebook groups, but it's not mm-hmm. everybody that likes to be on Facebook. Right. There are right. privacy things. Yeah. But this is not. It's our That's network. It's just us. It's free. We're just... Now, finishing a challenge, a 21-day challenge, as I said, we provide all the information for free. There's a little class that you can take, 21 lessons covering great. The, the, great. the things that you need to do. So anybody yeah. can join us. And yeah. we do. The other thing I was going to mention is the work we do is we are mostly volunteers. I am a volunteer myself. Oh, really? I don't get paid for the work I do for the foundation. Mm. And we have many other passionate volunteers that help us run the mm. foundation. We only paid for for contractors to do the, the work to keep the website, website running yeah. and sending emails, all those things. Yeah. But outside of that, um any donation or any or any fee that people pay for one of the paid courses, everything goes to the foundation really? so we can reach more and more people and continue to share our information.
1: Yeah, because it's really your mission. Your mission isn't uh financially based. Your mission no. is to help more and more yes. people. And honestly, I would just say of all the things that I mean, I I don't know, I think I went vegan in like 2013 or something like that. So I've read a lot of books and met a lot of websites and um yours is really the one that, first of all, you're not charging for most things. Yes. Um and then you're also it's so you can get true answers. There's no hype. There's no, exactly. if you just really want to know about your health, you really want to improve your health or the health of someone, you just want to try some of it and learn that it's like going to college. You get a chem, you get a chemistry, you get psychological yeah. like <laughs> help, you know, yes. and you get a lot of different styles. So I, I thank you so much for doing this because it's changing so many lives all the time. I know. Yeah, and it makes and,
0: me super happy. And that's what I me up every day in the morning. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well I, I appreciate you so much coming on the program and sharing this downloading all your knowledge or a piece of your knowledge. Um it's just it's worth its weight in gold. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And uh we'll try to spread the word far and wide, even okay. further and wider. Thank all you right, so much. Care. It's
0: been yeah, it's been a pleasure being here with you and thank I wish you. you and everybody that is listening to us well, much health and happiness in their life.
1: Thank you so much. Take care.